Hey everybody, welcome to the Quest for Life podcast. I'm Dr. Ed Slover and I'm fiercely passionate about helping others build a high-performing mindset that allows them to bring about positive, transformative change in their lives. As we begin part two of this three-part series on why we do anything, I'd like to call your attention back to the role of self-reinforcing behavior that we discussed in part one. As a reminder, self-reinforcement is a process by which individuals control their own behavior by rewarding themselves when they meet or exceed a certain standard. In part one, I frame this in the context of maximizing payoffs and minimizing costs in romantic relationships. Today, I'm gonna build on that idea uh, in the practice of self-reinforcing behavior when it comes to comfort and maybe even more specifically, complacency. In contemporary America, we have it really, really good. I know sometimes it doesn't feel like that. We've got runaway inflation going on right now. It costs an arm and a leg to get get to and from with the price of gas. it, It seems like it's a real mess, but if we actually look at it on a macro level, we have it really, really good when it comes to comfort. We drive the most technologically advanced cars that have ever been produced. We have air conditioning seemingly whenever we want it. We have these mini computers that are in our pockets known as smartphones. Uh, We have omnipresent food or foodstuff. And if you don't know what foodstuff is, those are the things that are in boxes and bags, Twinkies and crackers. Not technically food, but we'll just call it foodstuff. We have fashion for all occasions. We have clean drinking water. We have indoor plumbing. We have electricity. And we have all of these things because as a society, we're extraordinarily wealthy. Let me put this into a a bit of context here. According to the World Bank, the average per capita annual income worldwide is, give or take, $10,298. In the United States alone, we're more than five times that number. And as we acquire more comforts, we want more comforts. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that. Please don't misunderstand. There's nothing inherently wrong with wanting more comforts as we acquire more comforts. We want more convenience and we want those things to make our lives a little bit easier. We we want these things we believe that will make us happier, even if if they might not. We we believe they, they will. And if you're like most people, you end up pursuing the path of least resistance. And I know that might come off as overly critical or harsh. I tend to be somewhat... Uh, disagreeable when it comes to communicating the truth as I see it. The people in my life would uh, would confirm that idea, but at least I give it to you straight. Even if you disagree, that's okay. We can have a productive relationship even if we disagree. But the reality is the vast majority of people, whenever they achieve a certain level of comfort, start taking the path of least resistance. And ironically, doing this consistently can lead to despair. Now, you might be thinking, how does this relate to self-reinforcing behavior and the relationships in our lives? And I'm so glad you asked that. With regard to relationships, we have relationships with everything in our lives, from family to friends to coworkers to the cashier at Walmart, to our pets, to our work and career, our hobbies, our attitudes, and even our preferences. 
We have those relationships because we relate, air quotes, to them in some way, shape, or form. And the thing we hear most uh, about intimate relationships, let me start that over. The one thing that we have the most intimate relationship with in our lives is ourselves. Now, I'm not bringing God into the equation on this particular point, but the thing we have the most intimate relationship with is ourselves. So what does this have to do with comfort and complacency? Well, I'm glad you asked that too. As we relate to things in our world and acquire more comforts, it's incredibly easy to become complacent within the context of the, the, the relationships we have with those things. Now, complacency is the feeling of uncritical satisfaction with oneself or one's own achievements. What's interesting is, is it's a fake belief that we're doing the right things to improve or maintain our lives when in reality, we really aren't. It's an antipathy towards criticism or self-awareness or soul searching. And we see this with companies or sports teams all the time. Now, if you're my age, you remember an organization known as Borders Bookstores. Borders for years and years competed with Barnes and Noble. And then on July 5th, 1994, this small little upstart business uh, was founded in a garage in Bellevue, Washington. You may have heard of it. It's called Amazon. And over the years, Amazon refined its business model and a company like Borders failed to adapt. They really rested on their laurels. They didn't think that book selling was going to take hold in the online environment. Now, Amazon is a behemoth. It's morphed into you know, so many other things and has tentacles into so many different industries. But Borders failed to adapt because they got complacent. They got too comfortable with their success. Now, in sports, we see this with, uh, with champion, uh, you know, after championships. Take, take Super Bowl winners. I mean, when was the last time you saw a repeat Super Bowl champion? Now, we've seen it in the last uh, decade or so, but it, it, it happens few and far between. It's really, really difficult to continue maintaining that level of intensity in order to drive that level of success for a sustained period of time. Because with increased success, people become comfortable with that success, or at least that level of success. And rather than taking the path of more resistance to build on that success, people become complacent. And make no mistake, this is really easy to do. It takes a lot of time, effort, and commitment to climb to the top of the mountain, and even more time, energy, and effort, and commitment to stay there. If for no other reason, in the context of business or sports, you have other teams gunning for you, in addition to having to you know, continue to get up that motivation to continue at least maintaining a, a success level that mirrored something in the past. So rather than pushing onward, people get stuck in their current success and find comfort in that. Invariably, they begin to coast. They begin to cash out. Now, I spent 16 years in the commercial health and fitness industry, and I saw this idea happen all the time. Now, with personal trainers, they tend to be really, really exceptional with movement patterns and designing these really elaborate, high-energy, engaging workouts. They tend not to be the best salespeople in the world. Now, I'm generalizing whenever I say that, but they, 
they don't really have a passion for sales as much as they have a passion for fitness. And it takes them a lot of energy and effort to get new clients. And once they secure the new client, the initial uh, quote courtship of that client uh, is really high energy. There's a lot of thought and uh, thought and um, with you know, building the workouts, there's a, it, they're incredibly dynamic as they're getting to know the client. But over time, and as that relationship becomes less formal, the trainers cash out their sessions. They start moving away from the excellent work that they did into decent work. And, and being decent, it doesn't resemble being excellent. And they, they, they stop designing the workouts ahead of time or they read the latest edition of uh, Muscle and Fit, Fitness and design the workouts after, you know, around that. And they're able to get away with it for, a long, for as long as their clients allow them to get a, away with it. They become comfortable. So at this point, you might be asking yourself, okay, so what does that have anything to do with self-reinforcing behavior? Well, again, thanks for asking that. In short, everything. It has everything to do with self-reinforcing behavior. Our relationship with comfort is in direct proportion to our ability and willingness to reinforce the behavior that allows us to maintain such comfort. Now, I'm going to say that again. Now, take a step back. Let this wash over you. Our relationship with comfort is in direct proportion to our ability and willingness to reinforce the behavior that allows us to maintain such comfort. And as we engage in this type of behavior over time, when we feel like, um, when we feel like we're quote set, right? Not so positive things can happen. Right? Ultimately, what I'm saying there is when we start to take certain things for granted and we feel like, you know what, I'm good, not so good things start to happen, such as forming a lack of purpose. Maybe it translates into poor physical health, right? The despair of comfort creeps in, even leading up to depression. So as we exhale, as we pursue the comforts in life, um, we have a sense of direction or purpose. I mean, not necessarily the end-all, be-all purpose. You know, if your purpose is to live out, um, live out the, the the mission and vision of uh, of Jesus Christ, um, pursuing material comforts. That's that, while that's purposeful, that might not be your overarching purpose. That's ultimately what I'm getting at with that. But pursuing comforts provides a sense of direction and purpose. And once we achieve a certain level of comfort and recognize how challenging it'll be to get to the next level, it's really, really easy to settle into that type of comfort. In effect, we live in a state of maintenance. It's almost, in some way, we do just enough to preserve our way of life or our standard of living. It's self-preservation in many ways, and that really isn't necessarily a goal. Right? We're built to constantly improve, to build stuff, to be inquisitive, to learn. And unfortunately, when people feel a lack of purpose and meaning in their lives, we, we, they believe life happens to them. Now, there's this psychological concept called locus of control, and we orient, uh, in, depending on the setting, we orient uh, differently. Some people are geared to have 
a high internal locus of control. So these folks believe that they happen to the world. They're in charge of their own fate and destiny. They're going to make their way. They're going to take responsibility for uh, the decisions they make and the, the both good and bad results. It's very empowering. Then you have people that orient external locus of control where they believe the world happens to them. They believe that they are not in control of their fate and destiny. And in many ways, they start blaming external things when things don't go well for them. And invariably, they become a victim. And so whenever you think about um, how we orient to that and how that relates to comfort and, and discomfort, Whenever we are experiencing discomfort and we feel a lack of purpose, it's easy to externalize uh, what's going on in our lives. And um, so going back to that idea of self-preservation, since we don't want more bad stuff to happen to us, we'd kind of double down on our current state of reality, our current comfort level. And we stay where we are. We kind of get stuck where we are. And what we end up doing is staying where we are serves as its own reward and we engage in things that reinforce our own behavior that allows us to maintain uh, that standard. Another way of saying that is we don't function outside of our comfort zone, which is ironic because it was pursuing things outside of our comfort zone in the first place that probably allowed us to be comfortable and now it actually can flip on us and create uh, varying degrees of despair right so that really ties the purpose piece into self-reinforcing behavior now let me bring uh, up the topic of physical health and wellness we might even just label it fitness I mean this is another this is another example of uh, something in life that's just plain hard it just is I've been in the health and fitness industry for a career. I've been physically active for as long as I can remember. I mean, consistently four, five, six hours a week. It's incredibly hard to maintain that level of motivation for 25 plus years. It just is, especially when I don't have any formal goal sitting out there uh, in, in front of me, right? So, but that's me. Now, when you couple the difficulty, not only the pain associated with engaging in regular physical activity, but also the, the moments of, of not feeling motivated to do it, uh, it, it doesn't really elicit this type of desirable uh, thing. Because why on earth would you put yourself through varying degrees of pain if there's, uh, if there's not something on the other side of that? Well, you take that and you couple it with eating healthy. I mean, and that in and of itself is highly challenging in, in a society where food stuff is omnipresent and plus the food stuff is highly palatable. We're constantly tempted and make no mistake, food scientists are really, really smart. They know exactly what the human organism is naturally addicted to, which is salt, fat, and sugar. And if you go to the grocery store and walk down any of the aisles in the middle, you're going to find uh, food stuff that's laden with salt, fat, and sugar. It, the whole thing is, it is designed to get us to consume more. So you have 
this consumption, which in many ways serves as a, a reward. Plus, you have the lack of motivation to engage in strenuous physical activity. Uh, with you know all combined, it cre really creates this perfect storm that sets the stage for both short and long-term health issues. I mean, it just does. Everybody knows. Everybody knows that the key to long-term physical health is psychological, emotional, and spiritual balance in addition to re regular physical activity and not eating so much. Now, if you like pizza, eat pizza. Just don't eat the whole pizza. I mean, that is, is self-evident. We all know this, but that's not how most people work, especially when it comes to the, uh, the self-reinforcing nature of comfort. So all of a sudden, you pull out uh, a, a bag of cookies and the self-reinforcing behavior takes over and it's like, well, I deserve these cookies or I deserve this pizza because I survived the stress of the day. It's like we're, we're martyrs now and we survived the stress of our day. So now I deserve this or I need to relax and not go to the gym today because I worked really hard and vegging on the sofa is my reward. What I'm not saying is that those things such as vegging on the sofa and taking a load off aren't important. Rest is absolutely important, but not at the expense of everything else and certainly not doing it every day at the expense of those things that can uh, help us improve, right? I mean, the rub here is that the more deconditioned a person gets, the more difficult it ultimately is to change because the more deconditioned someone gets, the lower energy they have, they feel lethargic, they have, uh, they, they know that getting to their desired result, that the, the, that hill, that mountain they're going to climb is just really, really steep now. And then once they start, their muscles are crazy sore and they might feel like they have to deprive themselves, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So taking the path of least resistance by reinforcing our behavior of having short-term pleasure invariably leads to long-term pain. It will do that, and everybody intuitively knows that. And ironically, taking the path of more resistance by committing to being uncomfortable leads to greater comfort in the long run. Isn't that funny? Taking the path of more resistance by committing to some degree of discomfort in the short term leads to greater comfort in the long term. If for no other reason, you're going to have more energy, you're going to have fewer health issues, at least statistically, you're going to have fewer health issues. You'll be less prone to injury. It promotes anti-aging. Your mental health functioning gets better. Oh, and you might have another day with your kid whenever you're 65. All right, so I know I'm kind of railing on this one, but this is something that I'm incredibly passionate about because it's in the discomfort that leads us to greater comfort. So... Now we have to talk about really the ultimate despair related to comfort, and that's depression. Uh, this is damaging. When you are looking at the relationship between comfort and complacency and depression. So take millennials as a generation. Now, again, I'm broad stroking this one. But a lot of millennials were exposed to parents and teachers and other adults who reinforced for them, the false belief that were, they were not only entitled to the vast amount of wealth and opportunity around them, but also they developed the, 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 the attitudes that 
and they were conditioned. I mean, this was imprinting. This was what how they downloaded the this information. This is attitude that uh, achieving all of this you know, wealth and opportunity was easier than it actually is. And in effect, those adults uh, through that imprinting, they, what they did was they imprinted self-reinforcing behavior that young millennials. Um, engaged with, which ultimately bred complacency. I mean, think about all of the the stories you hear about uh, millennials. Again, broad stroking on this one, but millennials where they're 26 years old and they haven't moved out of their parents' house yet, right? Or they're delaying their career or delaying marriage. Now, I fully respect their decision to do that. And I fully respect the parents' decision to let them stay. Because, you know, I don't have to like their decision, but I can certainly respect it because it's not my life. It's theirs. But it, it reinforces, it creates that self-reinforcing feedback loop. And invariably, this has led to a surge in depressions or cases of depression in our country. Now, this isn't the only reason. Not, not at all. There are myriad reasons for all of this. But... The reality is depression or incidents of depression in the United States are up considerably. I mean, even if you take 2020 uh, and the whole COVID lockdown bit out of it, it was still climbing. And what's funny is that for millennials, it wasn't their fault. It, it's, it's not the fault of a young person that when their parents are imprinting what they believe to be right onto them, it's not their fault if they engage in uh, in behaviors that resemble entitlement or they have poor attitudes about other adults in their lives or they, they have poor uh, attitudes about what the world's going to look like because of how they were raised. It's not their fault. It is, however, up to them to change the, the direction of their life. It is ultimately, and this is incredibly difficult to do, right? But it, it ultimately, once there's a recognition that's saying, hey, this, is, this really isn't working for me, this, this level of comfort and complacency in my life is ultimately unuseful and counterproductive to the direction I want to take my life, it's up to them, however difficult, it's up to them to make the decision in order to pursue something else. They, it's up to them to cut a new groove in the neurochemical pathways that will ultimately lead them to a different type of self-reinforcing behavior that is ultimately you know, much more productive. So as we prepare to wrap up part two of this series, I'd like to call your attention to the idea of sustained excellence. You see, when, when people consistently excel, they don't coast. They don't get comfortable with their success. They don't get complacent. These people are extraordinarily interesting because they're so uncommon. They engage with life in this mindset of self-improvement, which in and of itself is self-reinforcing. Getting better at stuff, learning more, meeting new people, having different conversations, uh, not living in the past, uh, not focusing on past successes or failures, not focusing on past mistakes or wrongs, setting the baggage down, not letting the, the devil on one shoulder dictate the course of our life, all makes life worth living way more enjoyable. It actually moves us from existing in certain comforts and reinforcing that existence with those comforts to actually striving for more. But let's face it, 
it's really easy to self-reinforce the behavior that led to the comfort in the first place. It just is. That's the definition of path of least resistance. And so the question is, if you have any, um, if you have any gumption, if you have any oomph, if you have any desire to strive for more, you're going to do that anyway. Now, for those of us who are sort of mired in the current comfort, maybe even bordering on complacency, when it comes to living versus existing, we really don't have anything better to do than to pursue something else. And for as long as you know, we choose or are allowed to, you know, to live on this rock known as Earth, spinning at 1,000 miles per hour, orbiting the sun at 67,000 miles per hour, not being all in in life makes exactly zero sense. And having, while well, having too much comfort isn't necessarily uh, a bad thing, it's not, it's not an everything thing. It's not one of the, these things where it's like, okay, I, I've now arrived at this and my arrival to this certain level of comfort, I'm just gonna stop. In fact, living life is all about doing the opposite. It's self-evident that we grow during discomfort, not the other way around. Everybody knows this. We grow during discomfort, not the other way around. And I'm not suggesting at all that we should live in chaos, not, not in the slightest. But rather, we need to stir the pot a bit in our lives and, and allow that to push us into a level of discomfort that challenges us to cope with and overcome new and different adversity. And when we do that, we should have a sense of pride. And having that sense of pride, interestingly enough, is a form of self-reinforcing behavior. So I encourage you to scoff at being decent and pursue excellence, which is what I'll try to do next week in part three of why we do anything. In the meantime, remember, this is all food for thought, fellow questers. Be sure to leave a five-star rating and write a review. After you've had a chance to do that, don't hesitate to contact the show at thequestforlife.com. That's thequestnumber4life.com. As always, thank you for joining the conversation.